This is Comet Picks by the Glick. Hey, and I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, what's going on? Hey, this week, you know, it's like, I was thinking, I want to talk about something I've been reading from Marvel, because God knows that Marvel needs to find ways to like, appeal to like, people who don't read superheroes. Mm-hmm. And the, and recently, they found a way to do that. In fact, they found a pretty good way to do that. It's basically by appealing to fans of Stephen King. This is the fans of Stephen King's Dark Tower series. And I know that uh, Marvel editor-in-chief Joe, Joe Quesada has wanted to work with Stephen King for the longest time. And eventually, they he um, wound up coming to agreement with, with King to do some prequels based on his, his Dark Tower series. Now, those of you who aren't familiar with the Dark Tower, it's basically sort of a gunslinger named Roland who is basically coming seeking for the Dark Tower in a world that has moved on from the world that we know. It's it's got some heavy fantasy elements, but also some elements of, of the world we know as well. It's great stuff, and as someone who reads lots and lots of Stephen King, uh, like, I really enjoy the series, and even if you don't like Stephen King, if you have a good taste for high fantasy, I'd still recommend it to you. Good stuff. Yeah. Now, when the series was first announced, I think, People were under the impression that no, King was going to be writing this series for Marvel. That he was going to be telling the story of, of Roland, the gunslinger's um, early years, his formative years, like before he became like the character we knew from from the guns from the gunslinger from the first one of the gunslinger, the Dark Tower. Or, no, first one of the Dark Tower, the gunslinger. My bad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but then as the series um, got closer and closer to being um, actually being published, like more details started to come out. This is the fact that, no, Stephen King wasn't actually going to be writing this. He was just going to be, like, the executive overseer. Basically, it was going to go, follow, everything was going to flow through him to, like, to the point where he was going to approve everything. But actually, um, Robin Firth, who had written um, books on the Dark Tower, a, con- um, a concordance specifically, um, was going to be um, like doing the um, overall plotting while um, Peter David... Um, great comic book writer, yes. known for years, known for like a legendary run on the Incredible Hulk, as well as his work with Star, with Star Trek and the yes. X-Men's um, X-Factor series, which mm-hmm. is still great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, David was going to be providing the actual, breaking it down to an actual comic book script, with Jay Lee providing the art. And then it, then things slowly developed further to the point where, oh, it's not actually going to be like actual original stories, it's going to be an adaptation of one of the books in the Dark Tower series, Wizard and Glass. Now, as this, as this kept going, as this kept going on, like as this kept be, these as this news kept coming out closer and closer to the comic books arrival, it's like I really didn't have much of a problem with it because I really, like, you know, Stephen King, he's a busy guy. Guys still writing like at least a novel, a novel or more a year. So like having him actually write the comic book, yeah, that was kind of a pipe dream in of, in and of itself. And even then, you get someone like Peter David, who guy, man can like work. Work like um, comic book gold from some of the most unlikeliest of um, co- of um, subjects. Like having him on there on board, that's a, that's a good sign in and of itself. But and as far as actually like you no, know, it's being a prequel to Dark Tower. I mean, you have to include the story of Wizard and Glass, which is basically Roland's formative years, like as as a gunslinger. Mm. Yeah, and like so, it really, like when I picked up the trade paperback version of the gun. Not just paperback. Actually, they're all all these stories are available in hardcover, mm. and I have no problem with buying them in hardcover because like I realize like they're they're nice prestigious editions and mm-hmm. all. Yeah. So, 
Well, let's see. This is no. Let me let me rephrase that. This is a good example of a good prestige format edition, as opposed to like Marvel putting um you know any random shit in hard in their hardcover edition. Like you, right. uh, you put stuff like um like Wolverine Origins. You put stuff like New Avengers, Mighty Avengers, some random Spider-Man story in, in prestige format. You know, you're just devaluing the format there. I mean, like some some of that might be good, but it's not like you know like just have the air of prestige as of a, as an event. The Dark Tower stuff. This is an event in and of itself. So it deserves hardcover format. Mm. And I have no problem paying for it. Mm. Yeah. That's the price I have too much money, but we're not going to go there right now. <laughs> anyway, but, you know, like, knowing what I was getting into, this, that the first volume, The Gunslinger Born, was basically going to be an adaptation of The Wizard in Glass with some extra stuff. Like, I picked, I picked up knowing that, and, you know what? I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. And basically, the story starts off with um, Roland's um, trial be- uh, to becoming a gunslinger. Like after he was he was being trained by his his brutal master court along with his friends, um, Elaine and Cuthbert, but um, he was tricked into becoming he was into um, pursuing the um, the gunslinger's test by um, the by the wizard Martin, who was basically um, screwing his his father's mother on his father's wife on the side, yeah. and and like after after Roland found this out, he challenged he challenged Court in order to becoming a to become a gunslinger, and he pulled it off because while well, Court used was used was using his staff, um, Roland used his hawk, and it he pulled it off brilliantly. Mm. He became a gunslinger two years earlier than his father did, mm. but because he pulled this off um, so well, it's like his dad realized, and you know what? Congratulations, you figured out everything, and you know what? You figured out that that this, that the wizard Martin was was screwing was screwing my wife, even though I didn't want you to. God damn it! And so I'm gonna have to send you off to this other. This, um, to the public, the um, barony of Hambry, in order to um, find find out what the um, what the good man John Farson, the person who is um, trying to who is waging um, rebellion against the Republic of Gilead, Gilead, where Roland's dad is overseeing everything, he like Farson's got his own plans to like, take it over the world, and like these center are taking place in Ham Hambry, and Ro- and um, Roland's father. Um, sending him out to try and figure out what Farson's plans over there are. Naturally, bad things happen, and um, and least of which being Roland falling in love with a girl, and way these these things go, it's the um, romance is obviously doomed, like doomed in like Romeo and Juliet style fashion. So like, where, no, Roland lives, but he probably would have been better off just dying right there. But you know, it's like as far as the actual adaptation goes, I like I liked it. It's like um, David's um, David's script captures a good feeling of Stephen King's actual writing, and just like it, you, you read his stuff, and it sounds like like Stephen King might have actually written written it. I mean, it's not. It's. I mean, if you read Stephen King's, you know that he actually actually didn't, but it's still close close enough. And really, um, the art by um, by Jay Lee, who's done great work with um, other other like the Inhumans and Century. It, he captures like the the look of look of the world very well. I mean, like you've if you've um, imagined how um, how the world how this world that has moved on has looked like in act how it actually looked. Like Lee captures this perfectly. I mean, it's great, creepy stuff, uh, full full of the perfect perfect mood and details, and like a lot of stuff is suitable for framing. But as good as Lee's art is, I feel he's hampered by what I think is an editorial direct- directive from from Marvel because, as I said before, this is like Marvel's 
Marvel's planning this to be a series that appeals to people who don't visit the comic shop every week. People who like read Stephen King books more than comic books. And as such, this is the um, the book doesn't actually the um, way the panels flow in the series don't actually flow like a reg- regular comic book. I mean, it's just basically like like full page splash pages or just um, vertical panels. It basically is just like you know, like you read like down like downward, like you would like you read a novel. Right. Like it doesn't like go like um, all over the page like a real comic book, like a normal comic book would flow. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it it gives a feeling for a lot of these things like. Like you're reading a bunch of illustrated pictures, like like David's words are just like appearing on the page, and you're just reading like how you're just reading up like a like a picture that's been like a text like picture that's been that's been picked from the uh, from the books and just had words added to it in order to make it flow as a story. I mean, it's like with art as good as this. I mean, it's not a huge complaint, but it's it's an it's a necessary one, and I wish that they'd. That they would have just realized that you know we need to make this flow as make this work as a comic book instead of just making it a, a book that appeals to people who don't don't read comic books normally. But still, as it is, if you have read um the Wizarding Wizarding Glass and are familiar with um Roland's um challenge at, to court as a gunslinger, it's still it's so pretty entertaining. I mean, it's 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 still interesting to see see these, these events re- rendered on the page. And seeing how they how they play out, even if you know how exactly how it's going to be, uh, that's going that's going to be done. But it's so so if you like the so if you like Gunslinger, if you like Gunslinger from the Dark Tower, all of the stuff is highly recommended. But as it goes, a lot of stuff is more is more equal than others, and that comes into play with the second volume, The Long Road Home, which breaks out in a new territory, which. Um, from from the Wizarding Glass, which basically tells tells you about um, Roland, Roland, Elaine, and Cuthbert's um, trip back to to the Republic of Galliad, Galliad played um, as are pursued by both enemies, both real and supernatural. Now, the best part about the Long Road Home is as Roland is sucked into the world of a Maryland's grapefruit. It's one of the um, orbs that he was that he was that he recovered back in back in the back in the Barony. Um, he's he has put face to face with the um, with the Crimson King, the main villain of the Dark Tower series, whose goal is just you know he 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 wants to return the world, the universe to chaos, and he wants and he and ideally he'd like um, he'd like Roland's help in order to do that. But Roland, well, you know, he's out. He wants to save the world, but he's not really in a position to do that, being like a, an impulsive teenager and someone who's stupid enough to actually keep Maryland, Maryland's grapefruit to himself. And let his um, friends Elliot and Cuthbert just drag his um, unconscious ass in the real world back to um, Galliad. I mean, it's it's a good story because it, it breaks off more from the from the, from what we know of um, of the Dark Tower series and breaks off from more original storytelling territory, even if we're still in the time frame of of Wizard and Glass. Now, and the art is still still fantastic. They like, these. Lee's art is still like, it's still as as detailed and and creepy as you'd expect from this from the story, but and even then my my complaints still still hold true as that um, I kind of wish that they they'd broken it up more flow more as an actual comic book as opposed to a bunch of illustrated pictures. 
Now yeah. these the only three volumes. Yeah, these yeah. of the story. Yeah, these are the three volumes so far they they've done. Um, and the third volume, Treachery, basically um, has has all the characters going back to Gilead, and uh, ideally they they want to bask in the fruits of their their victory against uh, against Farson, Farson and Hambury, but that's not the case because we've got because there's like like bad stuff afoot, like um the. Like the sorcerer Martin is basically um, still working stuff behind the scenes, and um, his and Roland and Roland's mother is still under his spell and still trying to um, also going to um, try to try to make things so that her her lover um, her lover's evil plan succeeds. And there's even like traitors within um, the realm of, of Gilead's government as well. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's all about like the plant the people's plans and what what they're doing and. Ultimately, it culminates in one of, one of the climactic moments of at the very end of um, Wizard and Glass because well, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Basically, it ends in Roland like you know killing someone who really deserves to be killed, but you know it's he probably wouldn't have killed if he had known that he was killing this person. Right. Yeah, it's confusing, but it's still good stuff. I mean, even if like Lizard starts to seem slightly rough in parts, I mean he. Even though there's been month, like breaks of several months in between each volume, like the man's still putting out like like really high caliber work, like month after like on a monthly basis, mm-hmm. and it's it's good stuff. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the next volume is, which has art by Richard Eisenhoff, the interesting enough the colorist of the series, and that guy does a great job of like showcasing real painted artwork for this stuff. And I'm looking forward to seeing what seeing what he does. He does with it, though. I hear that um, Lee is um, going to be back for the final volume, the fifth arc in the series. But I mean, it's overall it's it's certainly good good stuff. I would recommend it. I recommend it unquestionably to um, fans of Stephen King and The Dark Tower. Um, anyone else? Ideally, I'd like to say I'd like to say that you know just go and pick up the the soft cover version. Which would be like a good cost-effective version of seeing whether or not you like this stuff, but um, as as is all these versions exist in hardcover, I don't know. It's like check check out Amazon, see see what discounts you can get from there, or see see if you can get at various conventions or there or not. But overall, it's it's a very it's a very well done adaptation of Stephen King's work. I mean, I, I think it could have been better. I, though I think that in order to make it better, they would have had to make it longer. Like the first first arc is like seven issues. In order to make it work, like really um, like dig into it, they would have made it like twelve and make to, to um, get all the new, all the nuance and subtlety of the series. But you know, as far as like it's a series that was designed to appeal to non comic books readers, but just the fact that you're make, adapting a, like a specific Stephen King story. Mm-hmm. You're kind of you're kind of missing the point there. So now, did the Dark Tower start off as like a novel translated into um, a Marvel graphic novel, or was it just a graphic novel idea from the get go? Oh no, it was it wasn't like the original like seeing his original Dark Tower series. It was prose novels all the way, mm-hmm. seven seven books total, and like there was really no plan to make like a graphic novel out of this series at all. Mm-hmm. So this is just. Like, um, like I said, this is basically the fruit of um, Joe Quesada wanting to work with Stephen King, like, at whatever cost. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really interesting, because, like, Stephen King also does an afterword to the first volume, talking about all his other ideas, his other comic books-related ideas, and I'd like to see some of this stuff. <laughs> like, Stephen King um, himself? 
Yeah, he's talking about this. Let's see. It, here's what he says. Like, like, like. Um, he's he's talking about like other stuff he worked, other his novels that were worked, like Firestarter. And he says like, you know, wow. would this work? I don't know, but maybe. But he says I'd like to do a kick button zombies over in the world story, told them from the viewpoint of several girls who started out as valley drones and become take no prisoner survivors. I like to do a time travel story where this guy finds a diner that connects to 1958. You always go back to the same day. So one day he goes back and just stays. He's his 2007 life behind. His goal to get up to November 22nd, 1963 and stop Lee Harvey Oswald. Wow. He does, and he's convinced he's just fixed the world. When he goes back to 2007, the world's a nuclear slag heap. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I'd like to see some of the, the stories that Stephen King talks about. I mean, God knows the man writes like at an astonishing pace. But we're not, we actually see any of this stuff from, from Marvel. Who knows? I'd love to, and I think if he actually did a straight comic book story, it might work a little better than the um, the Dark Tower series we've got so far. But these are good. Like I said, they are qualifications, but I'd still I'd I'd still recommend them to like fans of Stephen King and and the Dark Tower. Anyone else? Well, you know, if you're curious about it, go and pick it up. You can find it at a discount. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, call it a week. All right. See you next time. See you next time.